What is up, everyone? This is no longer referred to as the Heart Guide Media Podcast. This is the Sight and Sound Podcast presented by Heart Guide Media. We decided to give the podcast its own little name uh, and not just call it the Heart Guide Media Podcast as it's been called for three and a half years. Uh, Heart Guide Media will still operate under its same uh, Instagram handle and Twitter handle. But it's going to uh, be a much more inclusive uh, brand, quote-unquote. So the podcast now will be called the Sight and Sound Podcast. And since it is a genre film and music podcast, what better name than Sight and Sound? Also, the name of the first video store I ever went into as a child in my small hometown. So, naturally, it's very fitting. It's very nostalgic for Everything that we do here uh, on this podcast, everything remains relatively the same. We are adding a bunch of new stuff, though, some new segments, uh, some new themes, and uh, we have, uh, of course, if you've uh, tuned in the prior four seasons, as this is season five, still uh, keeping all the seasons as it were in the one podcast realm, so this is season five under the new name, the Sight and Sound Podcast. And you've heard this voice, Mr. Eric Scott Tyler's voice before, and you are going to hear it on our Season 5 premiere right now. Eric, say what up. How we doing, everyone? And uh, to be here. Yeah, this is, uh, it's cool to kind of give uh, this podcast a, a fresh coat of paint. And... Uh, yeah, he, he, you know, we're going to introduce some new segments. We're going to have some more music-related stuff. I know you and I, Eric, we've done quite a few music episodes, um, but we've obviously done way more uh, film episodes and movie rankings and things like that and a lot of movie talk, but we're going to have just as many uh, music uh, conversations on this podcast as well as, as well as, you know, new, uh, new themes uh and new uh segments and w- what better way to uh kick this off and anybody that knows us knows we've been very horror centric and we still will remain horror centric but we've always talked 80s action movies we've talked 80s comedy we've talked uh, you know a- action and comedy and we've talked anything that's kind of smaller and considered genre film but all types of music, as we are huge music and movie fans. But what uh, what better way to actually, you know what, to to refresh everyone? Um, if you go back and you listen to episode all the episodes of the past four seasons, you'll hear a lot about what we like and and, and stuff. But what better way to um to kick off the next and the debut segment? Uh, known as the media corner. So the media corner, or the media table, we'll call it. We'll call it the media table. We're doing this on the fly. So uh, the media table will be what movies you've purchased, what music you've purchased, if any, and also what have you rented, quote unquote, or streamed or watched. Is there a new movie or new music? Uh, Eric and I are probably going to be the ones you're going to most hear from other than our guest who we will also ask when we have guests on uh but eric let's kick off this music table segment 
What is there any new music you've been listening to? Also, it doesn't have to be new. Is if there's something you've picked up, uh, be it an older band or a band you're into, or a movie. Is there a movie you've streamed, watched, checked out for the first time, revisited? Uh, what's uh, what's been in your uh, on your media table here? For sure. Uh, well, musically, I've been uh, you know I have I have this issue where I I get into if I start listening to a band or a couple bands I was. I, I really hammer them heavy for like a couple of weeks, even maybe a couple of months. So uh, lately, I've been—I uh, know that you've been really big on this, but John Carpenter just dropped his new uh, his new album. Oh yeah, talk then, talk about an all-inclusive uh, selection right there: movies and music covered in one yeah, fell swoop. Exactly. So he dropped uh, Lost Stream, Lost Seams Three. Um, I know that's been heavy on the rotation. I don't physically own that, obviously, but. Um, uh, definitely been jamming that a lot. Uh, obviously, I'm sure a lot of people who do listen to this podcast have have checked out John Carpenter's uh, music, whether it be uh, listening to it, you know, through one of his movies or or you know, listening to him outside of that. But if you have not, I highly suggest uh, you checking that out. His um, obviously, there's not really you know his, the, his original stuff that he releases outside of his movies is, is very similar to a lot of his. Uh, his scores and such and i know that you you obviously are a big fan of it of course as well and i'm sure you've been hitting that his new uh, record pretty heavy as well yeah he's um he's probably as prolific with his music as he is with his movies at this point considering he you know scored so many of his films but he's also dug out these uh, quote unquote lost themes uh you know now and he's doing these movies or these uh scores and Things that he's uh, either had in the the Carpenter Crypt, or that he's coming up with, uh, you know, he he remade all of his old uh, scores from movies he's done with the John Carpenter's anthology that came out in 2017, oh, yeah. which he did a tour on, and uh, yeah, he's uh, you know, like I said, he's uh, he's literally he's doing the Rob Zombie thing, but in reverse. Yeah, no, for sure, and I think you're. I mean, you're so right. I think he. At this point in his career, he's kind of, uh, you know, he's broadened it out with, obviously he's not concentrating a super amount onto movies, obviously, but uh, heavy in the music, you know, pumping out a lot of music, working with his son, and uh, what is his godson, right, as well, that he works with, I think? I be- yeah, I believe it is. His, his I know God- it's his son, and, and his, God- his son Cody, and, and I believe his godson. Uh, are helping him on a lot of this uh, this stuff. I know that they did the the newest Halloween uh, score together, the three of them. Um, and I know, like him and I think Carpenter and his uh, his, his wife, his current wife, uh, have a comic book company, Storm King Comics, that they're doing a lot of stuff with. And and I know he's writing some of the stories for them for those comics as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's uh, he's out there for sure. He's he's out there and putting himself out there, and he's staying busy uh, yeah. uh, regardless. And he's been that way for the last few years. Is just keeping his name uh, relevant, um, be it music, movie, or or in this case uh, as well, comics. But uh, well, maybe you're catching him, you know, playing NBA 2K online. Yeah, so. he's a big NBA guy, so uh, maybe Love you can big Lakers fan, but. Uh, <laughs> What about um? What about uh? Movies? Is there any new newer movies that you've checked out, or, or movies that have kind of lingered that you haven't checked out that you recently checked out? Is there any new movie purchases? What do you got? 
Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, like, and I know you do, you do this a lot as well. If I read about a movie, or if I even see a movie that just looks intriguing, like I love blind buying movies, which I'm doing. You know, we're both doing, and we do constantly. So, uh, I thought about a couple movies that I recently saw that I've never seen before, and I um, one of them is actually a Korean movie from 2018 called The Tiger. Um, it, it stars um, Choi Min Sik. The dude, I think that's how you pronounce it, but he's basically the main character from Old Boy. Um, it's a really cool story. It's basically about he plays like this aging um, hunter, you know, in the mountains of Korea. And for some reason, Korea is a well, they're overrun by Japan at the moment and they're trying to erase uh, the country of these, you know, tigers, the Korean tiger. Um, and it's basically about, you know, how this tiger has affected his life and how he's has affected this tiger's life. Really, really cool story, honestly. Really cool cinematography. I will admit there's a little bit of, uh, there's some cheesy CGI, but I don't know. I, I think it added to it, kind of, and I, th- I kind of loved it. Um, you know, with the tiger, obviously you can't really, you're not doing too much uh, hand-in-hand work with a wild tiger, so. Yeah, that's they true. They had to CGI a lot of that stuff. But, unless you're, unless you're uh, Mickey Rourke and Double Team. <laughs> exactly, right? Unless you're... Uh, but so that was really good. I mean, I, I highly suggest anybody who, who likes foreign films or or if that sounds imp- you know particularly cool for you to definitely check that out. Um, and then uh, you call me watching a, a '60s movie uh, called Castle of the Creeping Flesh, which you called me out and said that was a BT movie. Which BT, my brother, definitely a BT movie. Um, super hilarious German movie from 1968 dubbed like you know you know those old italian and like german and whatever movies the dubbing is oh yeah comedic but you know basically just about a uh you know to put it in the simplest terms a mad scientist whose daughter passed away and he's trying to resurrect her with the body parts of uh some you know some fresh body parts we'll say but it's a it's a cool you know it's a cool late 60s like i said it came out in 1968 um movie not gonna not gonna blow you away by any means but definitely some cool stuff yeah it's uh it's you know it's 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 cool checking out movies that you haven't seen that have just been around for a while um i mean i mean i guess a movie has been around for that long but about four years it came out like a month or a month and a half after toby hooper died was another installment in the texas chainsaw massacre franchise simply called leatherface and it was an origin story on leatherface um, I thought it was good for what it was. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, but it's, uh, you know, the Leatherface and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre story. I feel like I can enjoy whatever they dish out, no matter how, uh, questionable the source material that they use or the origins that they throw into the, they throw into the kettle. Um, I thought the casting was cool on that movie. I had I had fun with it. I know people have a lot of gripes with it, but I just can't get enough of the you know the Sawyer family, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, story. So, I mean, is it the perfect origin story? By no means is it the perfect origin story. Um, but it is fun. It is fun, and uh, I enjoyed it. And I know we uh, we had probably about a twenty five minute uh, text conversation after I finished watching that with. Uh, your brother, myself, you, Sean, um, who we, uh, who you, anybody who, who pays attention to this podcast has heard their voices on here before, and you're going to hear them a lot more. But, uh, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that one. I thought it was cool. 
Uh, I also watched uh, two body swap movies uh, back-to-back nights last week with uh, a film I remember as a kid very well, which has uh, Dudley Moore and uh, crazy Christian Kirk Cameron in it um, called uh, Like Father, Like Son, and Sean Astin plays the best friend. That was, the, Dudley Moore is just a fucking a goddamn golden treasure. It's a shame he's gone, and, and I always loved everything I saw him, and I loved the Arthur movies when I was younger, too. Um, and then, uh, I, uh, I back ended it with, uh, vice versa, which is judge, judge Reinhold and, uh, Fred Savage from, uh, I think 88, I think that one was. Yeah. And like father, like son was 87. So a lot of body swaps going on in the, it was a lot of body swap scripts getting thrown around in, uh, in Hollywood in the late eighties, but. And yeah, that one I remember seeing like once or twice as a kid, but ne- it never really stuck with me. But it was cool revisiting that and seeing that. And uh, yeah, I did some body swap uh, movies last week and uh, bought the entire collection of Party of Five 90s, uh, 90s uh, TV show that has Nev Campbell in it. Also, J. Love Hughes, Jennifer Love Hewitt, uh, Scott Wolf of Double Dragon fame, if you anybody remembers the Double Dragon movie. Um and yeah, that's just uh, something I, I guess I didn't realize. I knew Nev was Nev Campbell was in the show, but I didn't realize. And I, I talked to you about this. I didn't realize that Nev was on that show from '94 to 2000. So the entire time she was in Scream, The Craft, Scream Two, Scream Three, uh, Wild Things, their entire her the entire time she blew up in Hollywood as an actress and in film, uh, she was on a hit TV show as well. Yeah, the, you know, like when you when you mentioned that stuff, I I guess I didn't even really think about it. Like I know, obviously, I've heard of Party of Five. Uh, you know, being the age we are, and uh, I, I can't say that I never really checked it out too much. I mean, I knew who was in it and stuff like that, but it is kind of cool that she was in that show throughout. Uh, you know, the prog- progression of her popularity and getting bigger and bigger, the screen movies especially, so. Yeah, it's like a family drama, you know, five kids, uh, their, their parents uh, died in a car wreck, so they're trying to you know, raise themselves and, and younger and the younger siblings. There's five of them, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a cool show. I, I just started. I remember watching a few episodes when I was a kid, and that was pretty much it. But I just remember like, you know, watching something on TV and seeing the you know the classic voiceover like, "Tune in at nine o'clock, party of five. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, so that was uh, like a was that a fox? Was it a fox show? I think it was. I like a, think it was ABC. Was it ABC? I can't, I can't remember what it was. Like. Maybe it was... Who even knows? I don't even know. I didn't even look that up. I was just trying... To, I was just baffled. I was like, shit. Uh, Nev stayed on the show the entire time. She was blowing up, like, as a Hollywood actress. But um, I thought that was cool. And uh, I've been binging, as you know, uh, and you're a fan of, too. I've been binging, as well, uh, Entourage. I am I started, uh, I think, like maybe a, a week ago and i'm already almost through the fifth season so and there's eight seasons i think so I, i'm more than halfway through that it's just a, such a fun show um and super easy to watch and and that i and, and by no means do to us expanding this um podcast and calling it the sight and sound podcast just calling it genre film and music i i wanted to incorporate anything you know media related that because we're you know i don't want to say like we're as far as music i don't want to say we're 
you, 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 we're definitely fans of so much different music, um, but we're also fans of so many different movies. Obviously, this podcast is and, and always will be uh, at its core uh, born of being horror fans. As we go to horror conventions, we have horror movie posters all over. We own more horror movies than we do any other movie, but we're also you know 80s comedy fans. We're also action movie fans. We're also just comedy fans in general, and we like fucking shit like, you know, Party of Five and Entourage and, and di- uh, so much different shit. I know, Eric, you and I have talked about, uh, you know, you know, well, we talk about the Sopranos, I feel like, uh, daily because we are huge Sopranos fans as well. 100%. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I didn't want to limit it to horror, but the, do not get it wrong. We are in no way trying to get away from horror. If anything, there's going to be horror talk in every single episode, no matter what, and that's the way it always will be because it's the best genre out there. <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I just want to touch on Entourage really quick. Yeah, like Entourage is a great show. I love it. Loved it. I watched it like as it was, you know, airing. Same. You know, when it Same. was actually out, and then I've, I think I've watched it maybe I don't know two or three times since it the show ended or whatever. But yeah, such a great show. Um, obviously, like the brainchild of like a couple people, but I know like it was like a Mark Wahlberg thing too. Cause they always approached him about, you know, kind of shooting that and his lifestyle. So just a genius idea for the time, for the timing, for sure. Oh, for sure. You know, and it's a show I think that is so that was, uh, came out in the mid two thousands. So it was like in knee deep in the raunchiness of comedy. Um, and I know like in the eighties, there was a lot of raunchy comedies, but I feel like once, once like 99 came with American Pie, there was like that rebirth of, you know, the the new millennium porkies American Pie was kind of crowned as. And I think uh, American Pie, and I think to uh, a large degree, I would probably throw uh, some other 90s teen movies that weren't as risque, but American Pie definitely like brought raunchiness back to like uh, comedy and then we saw, you know, the the endless amounts of raunchy comedies that came out after that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, old at- old school, forty uh, year old virgin, knocked up, uh, super bad. You know, so many of them that were spawned from American Pie. Let's American Pie deserves a lot of credit for launch for relaunching the raunchy comedy. For sure, I mean, look at just the amount of American Pie movies there is all together. I mean, I, I've I've you know personally, I've only seen like the main ones, but. Think about how many, like, random American Pie movies there were. It was, like, a whole thing. It was oh, crazy. Oh, yeah, fucking American Pie Bandcamp, American Pie fucking... Yeah, like the National Lampoon stuff. Yeah, know? exactly. It, it was the, you know, the National Lampoons for the uh, Old Navy Tech Vest generation. <laughs> for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as far as music goes, um, I mean, I just jam, like, everything i feel like i I, i'm always like i mean i'm like you too i'll I'll get on a kick of a band and then just completely run with it uh been jamming a lot of most precious blood we talked about that the other day via text um i just love that band a new york city hardcore band born out of you know the uh the breakup of another hardcore band uh with uh some of the same members called indecision uh, was never huge on indecision. Uh, they were a little, they were skosh before my time. Um, but yeah, I love Most Precious Blood. Been jamming them, as I know you're a huge fan as well. Yeah, I mean, arguably, you know, my favorite hardcore band ever, maybe. So, 
and uh yeah it's uh it's been uh it's been cool to uh to to be able to relaunch this uh podcast in, in a sense with this being the fifth season and you know just uh rebranding it um i think the heart guide media name did, did does throw people off heart guide media is the the umbrella of this we're gonna hopefully at some point be launching a website have a lot more you know music related news articles posted and horror and genre film uh you know all all the all the good stuff that we're gonna be talking about um but uh today uh, without having any real uh, topic on hand, there's two things I wanted to discuss. Can I, um, can I, can I before we get off the music thing, can I just pitch one more thing I've been listening to that I'm pumped about that's coming out or no? What's that? <laughs> well, I just want to say there's this dude, um, this artist I really love for a while now. He has a new record coming out. His name, his name is Amigo the Devil. Um, he just dropped a new video, and uh, he's got a new record coming out uh, in the next couple months here, in the next couple weeks, I should say. What kind of uh, music is that? Because I've never listened like, to it. He's like, um, well, it's funny, because he's like, I guess you would call it like Americana folk, but he's like really dark. So it's kind of funny. There's a lot of people in the genre like coming up with funny names for it. Uh, I've seen, you know, murder folk and goth country, but he's, ba- I mean, he has like a lot of roots in, in hardcore and like metal, actually. I'm pretty sure he has like a, a Jane Doe tattoo on his hand, actually. But um, just really dark. Like uh, most of his, you know, lyrics and the themes of his music is very, very dark stuff. But he, you know, he plays like a banjo. He plays acoustic guitar. Really, really awesome stuff, though. I highly suggest anybody check him out. Amigo the Devil. New record coming out soon. You know, if you like that kind of stuff, where you think you could be open to that kind of stuff. Yeah, pretty rad. So. He actually does a hilarious cover. Of, Murder folk, huh? What a what a subgenre. Right? Yeah, yeah. He actually does this like I shouldn't say hilarious because I'm sure he takes it serious, but a cover of a Carrie Underwood song, but it's uh but it's so good. So good. But yeah, so I just wanted to mention him. Amigo the Devil, alright. So uh with all the launching of streaming services, there's two things that we need to talk about today, and one of them has to do with that. And it is Paramount, who owns CBS, too. So CBS All Access is changing to Paramount+. Plus. So Paramount will own its own streaming service and will be branded as such. Uh, and CBS All Access, you'll have access to all the CBS All Access stuff, which the stand, obviously, the, the you know, re-adaptation uh, of the stand uh, that's airing, I think, currently still. Um has been on that, but uh, yeah, Paramount Plus uh, launching their own streaming service, and yesterday they announced that it is 100% in the works. It is being uh, completed, uh, written, and we have, uh, I think, people signed on to be a part of it. Um, it's in developmental stages still, but uh, Pet Cemetery origin movie for uh, Paramount Plus exclusive content. Uh, that's kind of huge news. Obviously, just two short years ago in April of 2019, we got the, uh, you know, you a lot of people could say remake, but I will say re-adaptation, um, another take on the 1983 Stephen King book, Pet Cemetery. Obviously, we got the, the amazing, in my eyes, a masterpiece 1989 film directed by Mary Lambert, uh, 
And, uh, yeah, in 2019, it actually killed at the box office. And I, I didn't really realize that that movie did so well. It made, like, $113 million in the box office. Wow, really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd actually, you know what, like, I went to see it in theaters, but uh, I guess I didn't realize it made that much money either. I mean, I, I definitely didn't. And for any horror movie to make over $100 million, that's that says something. Oh, uh, for sure. And so I guess it made uh it made 113 million plus dollars on a 21 million dollar budget. So it 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 was uh, it was healthy. In opening weekend it covered the spread uh at 24 million and domestic in the US it made 54 million. Uh so it did double its mo- little more than double its money in the US but altogether across uh across uh, the world worldwide gross was 113 million so uh i mean are we going to see an origin story that's more closer to the book are they going to make up an origin story based on the 2019 readaptation of the film i don't know but uh the fact that we're getting more pet cemetery content as i just love the the story the book is my favorite not only my favorite stephen king book it's my favorite book of all time uh it's one of my favorite movies of all time um it's gonna be cool to see an origin story it's gonna see how far back they'll go are they going back to the micmac burial grounds how that was founded are they going back to the 1940s where this where the the you know the burial ground became prominent as judge explains in the book uh you know it's gonna be really interesting to see what they do yeah i mean I think it's, I'm like, I, when I, when, you know, when we talked about that news, I was super pumped and I think there's a lot of ways they can, a lot of things they can do with it. And like you said, like, it's just exciting to see where they're going to go with it. You know what I mean? I think anytime we're keeping, uh, and I know people are like, just stop, stop making things related to Pet Cemetery. The original movie's good. And I, I kind of feel the same way I do about like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff is just, I am like for it. I am for more content, especially if we're getting a prequel or uh, a continuation of the story, I'm completely fine with that. I have no problem whatsoever about that. Do I want a million remakes? No. Uh, but it, it does seem that the, you know, uh, quote-unquote remake or readaptation and then prequel is something that the horror Hollywood has been on for a while. Obviously, we saw it with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was remade, and then I think they had a prequel after that, and then we got... Uh, another kind of sequel with Texas Chainsaw 3D, and then we just got another prequel that that prequeled, I think maybe the last Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I like just keeping these famous monsters alive. I, I know people, I guess, don't realize that it was done so many times with like Dracula, and you know, uh, yeah, I mean, all the, I mean, Dracula and Frankenstein are in like so many, especially, I mean, Dracula is like there's. There's a you million really different, you know. There's the Hammer Dracula. There's the Universal Dracula. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Universal just... Hammer. I mean, and, and and so on and so forth. I think what it is is like, especially mm. like we talk about people in the horror genre, like fans. I don't know. Like you have a lot of people who are like really purists, and they don't. I think they don't look at stuff for like what it is. Like, like you're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like a le- you know Leatherface or whatever. But like, like I think people like. I, I, people can't be excited about that stuff for some reason because they think they're like ruining something. It's like, just take it for what it is. It's like, 
like any, like I mean, we have another take Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie coming out soon, right? I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like I just, yeah. I think it's a good kind of. I, I don't think like not everything is going to ruin something. You know what I mean? It's just like it's somebody out there is making that movie because you want to think that they're trying to keep that that love of the genre and the love of the characters alive and the story. And I just think people look at things all the wrong way. Almost like how we talk about the Rob Zombie Halloweens. Yeah. Like people sure. hate those movies, but why, like why hate them? Like, yeah, like they should, it's not like they never, I mean, how many Halloweens came out before that? I mean, I mean, a lot of them, are, again, people, there's a roller coaster of how people think about them. Um, so it's not like it was just Halloween one. And then all of a sudden years later, Rob Zombie's like, I'm going to do Halloween. It's like, there was a bunch of Halloweens and you know what? He took it and he put his spin on it. And I personally think, you know, they're not, I mean, H two in my eyes, and I know your eyes is a lot better than H one, but like, I, they're good movies. Like, I don't know, like people just always want to tear stuff down and, and with everything, you know what I mean? And I just, I don't understand it always. Like sometimes I could see like, maybe it's time to pump the brakes on stuff, but like, I don't know, not like continuing a story or a franchise is not always a bad thing. No, and and I think when I was young, a little bit younger, maybe 15 years ago, I was like, really? Do you really need to remake this? Do you really need to remake that? And I think there is a little bit of, I don't know if it's maturity, but, you know, I don't want Leatherface to ever die. I want the name to live on. I don't want Michael Myers to die. Even if I think the sequels end up being kind of goofy and sh- like stupid, I I've definitely turned more of uh, a, a a new leaf as as far as appreciating things for what they are. Like, and it was the same thing. I think uh, I really enjoyed the Hills Have Eyes and the Last House on the Left remake uh, that came out. You know, two thousand six was the Hills uh, remake, and two thousand ten, I think, or nine um, was. The Last House on the Left remake, uh, 2009, I think it was. Uh, and I I like them for what they are. And those are great stories. And if anything, it's a testament to Wes Craven that those movies were remade because they're such compelling stories in some way or another uh, that they need to be retold. And people don't want to care. There's a reason they keep getting greenlit because to there's a there's a base for him people love leatherface people love michael myers it's the same way reason that they made so many halloweens to begin with it's the same reason they made so many uh you know texas chainsaw massacre movies up to this point but it's the same reason like people i mean if there wasn't a dispute going on right now with with sean cunningham and and uh vic miller we would have more friday the 13th movies for sure Granted, I think that the Friday Thirteenth movie remake from two thousand nine had a, had its flaws. Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movie, I feel like, could have been so great. I feel like they had a great cast minus Rooney Mara, and uh, I feel like they could have really done something cool. And I don't really put that on uh, Sam Bayer either, the the director. I think he did a great job directing. I just think. It was the wrong time, and it just didn't work. But I don't want Freddy Krueger to die. Do I want someone playing it other than Robert England? Of course not. But if they no. can find someone to do it and pay pay it, ju- you know, give pay, pay good homage to it, like I, I don't know. I don't want these characters to die. And the same thing. That's what's kind of so. I mean, Freddy's different than the rest of them because Robert England is so much. 
like right. he, he it's, is it's different than, than he's, the he's and the, so and the vocal fight. he's not just a masked killer he is like his personality yeah. is what made freddy krueger freddy krueger right he's not leatherface out there just a chongo in a mask yeah just, uh, <laughs> around. He, he he brings his own you know like uh, you know re, you know he brings his own his own elements to that character wow. so someone else playing it no offense to jackie earl haley who i you know i think is awesome but uh you know, it just hurt. It kind of sucked to see that. You know. Yeah, for sure. And not to um, not, not to. I got to throw this in because I just heard it today. Um, uh, Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die was on Jamie Joss's podcast, and they were talking about how um, he got on Hatebreed's bus because Hatebreed was on that soundtrack for the 2003 Leatherface or Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. He played Leatherface. Uh, and he ended up being like a real piece of shit, a dog fighter, like, and I think he ended up doing prison, prison time. He's a real piece of shit. And Jamie Joster was pretty much talking about what a kind of a douchebag he was, but he actually got on their bus with like some petite woman and brought her in the bathroom. And he goes, I'm going to show you how Leatherface fucks. And apparently had sex with this girl in the bathroom and then just left. Uh, so that guy is is as douchey as he always sounded, but I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny that they told him that. Because <laughs> Keith Buckley's like, what did you have, what is you doing that have anything to do with you being Leatherface? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Trying to get her going. Trying to act yeah. like he, like anybody gives a fuck about that dude or thinks he was even anywhere near close to being as good as Gunnar Hansen. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, yeah, um, I guess uh, moving on to uh, another thing that's huge news that dropped today. This is, we're the first, I'm going to say this and I feel confident saying we're the first podcast covering this right now. You're hearing fucking, uh, you know, breaking audio because you've seen it on Twitter if you're a horror fan or you've heard about it on Facebook or wherever the fuck you get your news. Uh, I mean, if you get your news from Facebook, we got problems. Uh, get off Facebook. You don't need to do Facebook. But uh, regardless... This is breaking audio because I guarantee no podcast is doing this right now. I'm the first. The Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart Guide Media, Eric Scott Tyler and Jesse HS. We are breaking this in the podcast world right now. George Romero's unseen film, except for in select theaters when it when it originally was made in 1973, The Amusement Park, is coming out. Shutter has acquired the rights to it, and it will be on Shutter. Very soon. This is uh, big news. I, I know when this came out, uh, we heard about this movie that was, uh, you know, a pay for hire movie, which is pretty much they paid George Romero for a movie that he didn't really have his hands in all that much. Um, it was his first pay to hire movie. And uh, apparently it's about an amusement park. An elderly man goes to an amusement park and he sees that they are treating the elderly very bad for the amusement of younger people. Uh, and that's only the only real synopsis that we have on this. Uh, obviously, Romero passed away uh, passed away in 2017. One of the reasons this podcast started was the deaths of George Romero in July of 2017, and then just a month later, we lose Toby Hooper in August, the last week in August. And this podcast started the weekend after Toby died, uh, because I was just like, we talk about like we had crazy conversations about George. Because we both met George. Unfortunately, we never met Toby. But us and our friends were talking about Toby and George dying. 
and I feel like we we're having all these crazy conversations. I was like, we need to finally do this in a podcast format because we're having all these horror conversations. So that's how initially the podcast launched. And here we are, season five premiere, um, pretty much four years later, almost uh, three and a half years later. We're on our fourth year, fifth season, and uh, George is as relevant as ever because he, the man's art and the man's mind and his vision will never die. And we're getting a, a unseen Romero film. It was shot in 1973, never released because invest- investors found it too gruesome. Yeah, a too print- a print track down in 2018 by Daniel Krauss, uh, a Lutheran society hired George A. Romero to create a movie about elder abuse. And when George turned in his take on elder abuse, on the elder abuse, uh, the Lutheran society that hired him was so shocked and horrified from what they saw, they never showed it to anyone. Now, I don't know how shocking this is going to be in 2021, but regardless, I am pumped. Yeah, I mean, same. I know that, you know, we both uh, literally love Romero so goddamn much. Literally, you know, my favorite ever. And I cannot wait to see this this flick. And, you know, I was when when in 2018, when this uh, got unearthed, you know, we were hoping I remember us talking to all of us about hoping to be able to see this movie, um, this film. And uh, I'm excited that Shudder is doing something so cool like this and bringing it so the masses can see it. I mean, this is Romero, you know, 73 Romero, same year as what the crazies came out. So, uh, it's just going to be awesome to see, man. And I can't wait. I mean, all, all we've really seen is just a couple still images from the movie. So like you said, like, again, like they're them back in the day saying that it was too disturbing, who knows, but I know I'm so su- I'm super jacked up for it. And I think it's just a genius move by shutter. And for any Romero fan or horror fan alone, just be so jacked up to see this. So. And huge, huge props to the the George A. Romero Foundation. Um, and it's the uh, the the G A R F official on uh, Instagram. It's uh, it's dedicated to honoring the life and work of George Romero and supporting a new generation of filmmakers and artists inspired by his legacy. Um, and I mean, there's no doubt that George Romero influenced the start of this podcast. We talk about George so much. We both had uh, an amazing uh, opportunity to meet him twice. Um, and the guy couldn't have been any more better, uh, you know, suited to be in front of his fans. You could tell he loved his fans. Uh, you have a great story, Eric. I think you've told it on here before that the second time we met him, it was probably about three or four years after the first time we met him and uh he uh he signed something for you and his his signature because he had been signing all day and he looked a little rough for the wear because it was a hot summer day he'd been signing for hours and his signature didn't look like that classic george signature as much as his other ones and he actually felt bad that he didn't get a great signature and if that isn't a mark of uh just the the kind of person he was i don't know what what would be yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, we met him, I think it's funny because we, you know, we met him twice, and the first time, we, believe it or not, we had a goddamn digital camera. That's, and, that's, uh, that's how old that one is. We didn't, we didn't know uh, if it was working, so we thought it wasn't working taking pictures with him. We ended up, uh, they worked every time, we ended up having like 13 pictures of us with Romero, which is pretty funny, but he was super cool, and I mean, they told us to come back and we could take pictures with him, and then yeah, the second time I met him, I have this, uh, you know, 
Night of the Living Dead print that has uh, John Russo and Judith O'Day's autograph on it, and uh, and he uh, signed it. And for, I don't know if it was something to do with his marker or or you know whatever it's printed on the the whatever it is. It, it just didn't come out that great, and and you could tell. Like I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of people in this line, and he'd already signed hundreds for who knows how long. But he was like genuinely concerned about this, you know, the way it looked, and and he tried it, you know, he kind of tried it again, and he was just really concerned. And then, like I said, a little thing like that, obviously, it just showed like how much he cared about his fans, and 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 you always hear about how great of a person he was, and just a true, you know, I don't know, just like for the for the genre or just filmmaking alone, guerrilla filmmaking alone, and he's just like one of the greatest. And yeah, I don't know. That was just like a little glimpse, and then like just to see like how cool of a dude he was. Like he actually, I feel like there's a lot of people if they fucked up a signature, as we know, they probably wouldn't. They would give two shits. They would just push it on and keep going. Yeah. But he, you know, hundreds and like I said, thousands of people he's meeting and and signing all day, and he, and he actually cared about his signature looking good on on my uh, poster. So and and the fact that that <laughs> cool. is a little shaky of an autograph is great because you have a story behind it. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I'm not even, and I, and I, even I wasn't mad altogether. Like it's not like I, I'm, you know, who cares really? But uh, you're right, though. It, it it does call for a good story, and it's uh, it's really awesome of him. And and like I said, this, you know, us loving every one of his movies, pretty much every one of his films, and and seeing this, like, because this it's not like a, this is like one of his, you know, this is something that he shot right before he died. This is something like you know, early on in his, his filmmaking career, really, I mean, he'd only done, what, like three or four movies before this, I guess, technically, three or four, because depending on when this would have dropped or when he shot this and when, uh, you know, when the crazies uh, came out, it's just really cool to see, to get a, after he's gone, to get a glimpse back into his his career and his uh, filmmaking life with a, with a movie from 73, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh Huge props to Shutter for getting this deal done. Uh, what I'm I'm sure it probably maybe it was super easy, but I imagine you know it being so unheard of. I guess maybe it wasn't um so easy. Maybe it was. I don't know. Uh, but I'm gonna read. Um, I believe this is his wife who runs this his widow uh forgive me because i don't think he had a daughter i think he just had a son but uh suzanne uh oh maybe it is his daughter did he have a daughter dude i feel like an idiot for not even knowing that but no i don't you know what i'm not sure i mean i know he had a wife then and he and and then he remarried um but i sadly i don't really know about his children um, I feel like we know a lot about him, but yeah, I'm not sure about his children, to be honest with you. So just, I know, like I said, I know he was married for a long time to, with someone he worked with, uh, on a lot of his films and then he, and then he remarried. Yeah. I, uh, actually, you, you know what? This is kind of, uh, cause I don't remember him. We're going to figure this out because this is what we do. Uh, by no means, uh, because the podcast has a new name to, are we trying to say that we're professional in any sense? We are... <laughs> the furthest thing from it and we will never be we're just being real that's all it is yes yes it is it is his um his uh widow suzanne uh i i'm gonna butcher her 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 uh he's married three times i apologize yes nancy romero 
Christine, who I was, I guess, who I thought he was still with. I feel like a dick, but uh, Suzanne uh, Disrocher, uh Romero, and this is the statement that she had. We at the George A. Romero Foundation are thrilled that after this long journey, the Lutheran Society Commission film, with its poignant message, will finally get its light. The first and only work for hire in Romero's career sheds a new perspective on the ongoing issue of ageism. Again, George is dead and he's still relevant. That's not in this statement, but this is just me uh, saying that. Um, Romero's uncanny sense of reflection on society and the Romero footprint is ever-present and bodes well for the future of his impact on American cinema. I'm thankful for Yellow Veil Pictures, who helped forge a path for us to find the most perfect custodian for this piece. Shudder understands that the, that this film adds an important element to the Romero oeuvre. We are grateful. Though, though when asked how this forgotten film was never discussed, Romero said, it was done in three days, bing, bang, boom, done. It was nothing. We disagree. And then she said, we disagree. So... Uh, I am, I mean, tell me that isn't a George line. It was done in three days. Bing, bang, boom, done. Uh, what, what, a just a, a George statement. And this is, this is going to be, I mean, we still, to this day, we still to this day hear about, uh, uh, (laughs) we still to this day hear about, old people being abused, old people being mistreated. So George is dead and it's still relevant. For sure. He was uh, foreshadowing, foreshadowing some Cuomo shit. <laughs> no, he really was. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's like we always say, where George touches on a lot of uh, political things without even maybe knowing it or, you know, but uh, and I know that he was approached to do this with, about a certain topic, but you know that he he ran with it in his own uh, perspective and his own way. So yeah, of course, I think it's it's one of those um, issues that probably doesn't get talked about enough. But uh, just another yet another thing that Romero touches on in his films that uh, of some sort of social issue. Now I hope that they do some kind of special thing for it. What I would love. To- to read and, and maybe I will tweet this and try to get the rallying cry for it. I want I want Joe Bob Briggs to see this film and then I want Joe Bob to introduce it and possibly have anybody that's still related to the film, uh, Suzanne Romero or anybody to talk with to talk about this film. And I would love for Joe Bob Briggs to kind of be the host of the premiere of this on Shutter. I think that would be more than fitting as uh joe bob is is obviously always been a huge romero supporter yeah i think that'd be that would legit be amazing obviously we know joe bob is the man and uh that would be awesome for him to intro and to kind of talk about some maybe some facts have some people on and talk about the film um you know what else would be really cool is if we got a physical release of this maybe someday oh i can only hope i can only hope that we do and uh I mean, they they have to know that George's fan base would definitely buy this. I mean, if not only for just being 
uh, you know, fans of Romero or horror fans in general are, can be uh, total completists. Um, if they put a pre-order up for this right now, it'd be I'd be buying it instantly. Hundred percent, same, same, brother. Sight, sight unseen. But regardless, this is uh, it's it's always fun, and I like. I mean, this is exactly what we were talking about to kind of wrap up this uh, season premiere, season five, the Sight and Sound podcast, the new name. If you're, uh, I would say, if you're just joining us, but this isn't live radio or anything, but. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, like we said, we don't want Michael Myers to die. We don't want Leatherface, the character to die. I, we want it. We want them in ever present in our lives as we do with Romero. And the fact that we're getting a film from the seventies pre dawn of the dead, pre Martin, you know, post, you know, uh, his only work for hire film his only, you know, or, you know, one film just five years after, his landmark film that changed everything. And without it, I don't know if independent cinema would be the same. Every independent filmmaker owes George Romero an insane amount of gratitude for another living dead. But, uh, the fact that we're getting a George Romero film that people, the probably 99%, 99.9% of people and fans have not seen. Um, we're getting that in 2021 on shutter is just is awesome and it's it it goes back to the fact that we want these people around forever even when they're gone and the fact that it feels like it makes it feel like george is still as relevant as ever even though he's been dead for almost four years and and that's an awesome that's an awesome thing to think about yeah like i said as a as a diehard romero fan as a diehard horror fan film fan um it's just another good thing to look forward to in these dark days of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, but yeah, no, it's too, I think it's random. Super smart of Shutter. I mean, Shutter already is like a really cool platform. Um, you know, just like there's everything is turning to streaming, but I feel like Shutter's been around for quite a bit, and uh, just a super smart move on them. There's gonna be a lot of people who probably sign up just for this movie i gotta think i mean you would you would th- certainly think so uh and if you haven't sub- subscribe to shutter uh yeah. if you haven't we're not sponsored but maybe one day yeah maybe one day but even like paramount plus but i know we were talking on that or talking about that earlier but like it looks like there's movie like we talked about pet cemetery the prequel but it looks like a paranormal activity movie is going to drop on there and then like there's other like huge movies like i knew the new mission impossible is going to drop in theaters and then literally like 40 days or something. It's going to, it's and the same with like a quiet place too. Like they're going to be on, um, Paramount plus and like 40 days after they drop in theaters, which is really cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, you can just tell that, I mean, everything has been shifting this way anyway, but I mean, but uh, cable would be like, you know, non-existent. Like oh, these yeah. cable companies, surprised they're not already like begging at people's feet, you know, <laughs> to keep people around. So, with th- with that said, if there's physical media, these films uh, buy them. If you are, I mean, that we don't have to tell horror fans. I think it's so funny when people say, "Oh, people don't buy Blu-rays anymore. People don't buy this." Bullshit. Horror fans do. Every horror fan I know buys di- uh, physical media, uh, and that's something we're huge on here at the Sight and Sound Podcast, presented by Hargate Media. Um, well, yeah, I mean, look, me and you, you know, I mean, Blu-rays, DVDs, uh, you know, physical copies of of music books like comics like this is what keeps stuff going like yeah like i do have spotify i pay for spotify or whatever but like the, these artists see nothing from from spotify or no or they Apple see music so if 
you're buying the Blu-ray. If it's an independent filmmaker, you're buying the Blu-ray. If it's a if it's a band that you love, like ninety percent of what they make now is like merchandise. So buy a shirt. Buy, yeah, if you're you know, gonna buy, if if you're not gonna buy if you you can't bring yourself to buy a CD or vinyl and. And, and I, I don't know if that is just because you can get it for $10 a month. You can scream whatever music you want. Uh, if you like a band, go buy a shirt because that's where they see their the most uh, money. So if you don't want to own the physical music, at least go and buy a shirt. Yeah, because and especially right now with with bands not being able to tour. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's killing them. It's just destroying bands. So, yeah, for sure. We definitely so here at Harkaz. Definitely all for buying physical media and supporting, you know, filmmakers and uh, and musicians. One one hundred percent. And we got so much more to cover. Uh, this has been an awesome uh, season debut episode. I feel like anybody that listens to this, if they're a horror fan or genre fan or any kind of music fan, if you listen to this and you can't take anything away from it, don't fucking listen and leave. But if you like it, you're our fucking, you're our guys, you're our people, you're our women. They like it for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you couldn't. This is, I have a blast, and that's all that really matters, and I know that uh, the friends that listen to this, because we won't say, I'll never say the term fans or, uh, I will say listeners, but if you listen to this, you're my friend. Uh, will I have you over to my uh, house? No. But maybe, who, who even knows? Maybe when the pandemic's over. But regardless, this has been awesome. This is the Sight and Sound Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. I think iTunes is going away. I think it's just going to be Apple Music or whatever. And I think that's where you get your iPad or your i your i your iPads, your fucking podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, link is in the Instagram and the Twitter bio into a link tree to all the sites where you can stream it and uh, maybe we'll have some stickers and shirts here soon for the Sight and Sound podcast and or the Heart Guide Media uh, umbrella that we are. We are at Heart Guide Media on Instagram and Twitter. I think it's a little confusing to now change the name of the podcast different from our brand which is Heart Guide Media but I don't give a fuck. I'm here to confuse people. So you can check us out next week. We have Greg Harrington from Neon Brainiacs Podcast. That is an 80s horror movie podcast, and Greg has been on this show on the Halloween 3 Legacy Week last year. Uh, the Legacy Weeks are going to continue. We're still going to do Legacy Weeks celebrating films in three-part episodes. We are also going to do a thing called Origin Story, where we dive into the origin of either someone discovering a director, a band, or... Even things that are linked from uh, music, i.e. the next episode with Greg Harrington from Neon Brainiacs, we dive into his discovery of hardcore music as well as mine, and we talk about his discovery uh, from hardcore music of straight edge and veganism, and I am straight edge and vegetarian, so we talk about that. We share stories. We have fun. We don't take it serious. We don't push our beliefs on anybody. So don't hear straight edge or hear vegan or hear vegetarian and think we're like, well, fuck you if you blah, 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 blah. I hate most straight edge people. And no one stays vegan except for like three people. Probably this, uh, you know, Greg from Neon Brainiacs, Carl, and maybe like three other people I know that are still vegan. Uh, I'm vegetarian, so maybe I'm not that hardcore about it. But I love pizza. I don't know what to tell you. Shoot me. Um, But regardless... What a what an awesome t- 
time to be a podcast listener where there's 7 million podcasts out there, maybe more, and everybody is self-entitled and thinks they're, everyone wants to hear them. I know no, not everyone wants to hear me, but the people that do, we like that you want to hear us. We like that you want to hear me and Eric talk about George Romero and his new film, Amusement Park, that's going to be streaming on Shudder and all that fucking cool shit. And... I mean, if Shudder doesn't sponsor us at this point, I don't know what the fuck we're doing wrong because it sounds like Shudder's promoting the show. So, I mean, I'm giving them, we're giving them free pub right here. Well, maybe soon. Maybe soon. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we got to clean up the F words and make it less confusing, but I don't see that happening. So we will catch you next week on the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart Guy Media. Uh, Eric. Thanks for uh, chit-chatting with me as always and being my uh, co-host with the most. For sure, man. A lot of fun. I can't wait for, uh, you know, many more to come. A lot of fun stuff we're going to be talking about. So, Hell yeah. We'll see you next week on the Sight and Sound Podcast presented by Heart Guide Media.